Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to look in chapter 19. I'm telling you, my mouth almost said Isaiah, but it's Matthew, all right? Uh, chapter 19, verses 13 through uh, 15. And we're going to talk about children today. I love children. And Jesus loves children. I can remember learning the song when I was a child. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we want to talk today about uh, children, but I, I want to tell you what we're doing. Please listen just for a second. One of the things that I love about Bellevue are the traditions uh, that we have here, the good ones, and uh, one of those traditions is our love offering. Back in, I think it was 1937, is that 34, 1934. Dr. Lee, who was the pastor here, and uh, how many of you ever got to meet Dr. Lee? Anybody out there? I got to hear him preach one time in Jackson, Tennessee, and it was in the throes of the Great Depression that had come starting in 1929 when the stock market just crashed and went level. And four or five years later, they were in a time where they needed to pay off the debt. There was about $30,000 back then. There's no telling what that would be worth now. But in, 19, uh, in the 1930s there, they needed $30,000. And the Lord laid it on his heart to uh, just, let's pay this off. Let's have a love offering just to pay the debt off so that we won't have that hanging over our heads in the middle of the Great Depression. And so he said, I want you just to pray all I want you to do is to pray and ask God, what should I give to the love offering? And they came back, and I think, it was it $36,000? Is that right? So they had 6000 over what they needed, and it was just a miracle of God. And every year after that, we've had a love offering, and I think it's one of the greatest things we do. Next Sunday, we're going to ask you, not to give all of that, but what we want to do is we're going to ask you to commit for a year above your tithe a love offering, just a love offering, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Now, this year, it's about children. And you may not know this, but you're going to see a video at the very end of the service, right before we have the Lord's Supper. And <clears throat> we have a ministry of children with children, especially in our fourth and fifth grade, and then in our middle school. I'm telling you, every time I say middle school, I want to say junior high. I mean, does anybody identify with junior high? Anybody? <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, it's middle school now. And uh, the, the area is growing so much that we, we have room for about 225 kids, but we're packing in 250 of them in those rooms. And we need more room for our fourth and fifth grade and for our middle school kids. I thought somebody would say amen to that. Yeah, you know. Can you imagine? I mean, we've got young couples joining our church. We've got all these young kids. And we need room. We need to expand the room. We need to build more rooms for them and change some rooms out and do all that. And it's going to cost quite a bit of money. And so we need you. We really need you to help. And so I really prayed and I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach today? And what would, you know, what would be pleasing you? And I'm telling you, Holy Ghost 
just immediately put my mind on these three verses out of Matthew 19, 13, 14, and 15. It's so short. Could we read it together? It's, it's going to be on the screens. So, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want you reading out of the New Living Translation and well, you look reading out of the New International Version and you reading out of the King James. Let's all read it off the screen so we'll do it all together, okay? Here we go. Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. Next. <laughs> but Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After laying his hands on them, that's the children now, he departed from them. Father, let us have a heart for children. In Jesus' name, and if that's your prayer, say amen. amen. Now, why should we at Bellevue even talk about this? Why? Because Jesus loved children. You know, we're always telling our children that they need to be more like adults. And God's telling us we need to be more like children. That's what Jesus said. First thing I want to share with you, and there's three things if you're concerned about that. I, I, I gave you at least how many points I've got. Okay. Number one, children should be brought to Jesus. Do you believe that? Children need to be brought to Jesus. Jesus wants the children to come to him, but they don't know how to get to Jesus. We have to tell them. We have to lead them. Children must be brought to Jesus. Look at verse 13. Then some children were brought to him, to Jesus. It's nice when you get your sermon title out of the text, amen? So that he might lay his hands on them. What was that? To bless them and to pray. And the disciples were so spiritually on it that day, they rebuked those parents and rebuked those children and I tell you, they got Jesus mad, all right? Now, somebody, probably their parents brought these kids to Jesus. They'd heard that he was preaching, and they just wanted Jesus to lay his hands upon their children and to pray for them. Now, do you know what? That's a good thing to do. Pray for children. And these parents knew that their children needed to come to Jesus, and they wanted him to lay hands on. You know, Jesus laid hands on lame people. They'd seen it. They had seen it. He laid hands on lame people, and they walked again. He laid hands on deaf people, and they could hear. He laid hands on blind people, and they could see. He laid hands on crippled people, and they could walk again. He laid hands on demonized people. And the demons left them. And you know what else he did? And it was, it was something that was taboo for Jews. He laid his hands on dead people. And they rose from the dead. Remember when he laid his hands on that boy? His mother was crying behind his tomb there. And the, the widow of Nain. And he laid his hands on that child. And that child set up something about his hands, something about 
Jesus. His hands were mighty. Well, I guess so. They helped fashion the universe. John's gospel tells us that in the prologue in the first chapter, that everything that was made was made by Jesus. He laid his hands on creation as it was coming out. And he prayed for them. He multiplied the little boy's lunch too with his hands, didn't he? And fed 5,000 men plus their families. And those precious hands that helped create the universe, that would feed the multitudes, that would touch the blind and touch the sick, they were nailed to a cross to save us from our sins. Something about hands, isn't there? Now, y'all don't ever see it probably. Maybe a few up here do. But every time Donna comes in, she teaches Sunday school at 8 o'clock. She teaches children. And she comes in here, and I just like to hold her hand for a second. Don't you just enjoy when you love somebody holding their hand? And Jesus' hands were special. I'm looking forward one of these days to going to heaven. And I want to see that nail-scarred hand. The only thing that is in heaven that people created are the scars in the hands of Jesus. Jesus Christ, I believe, is going to take his hand out to every one of you that know him and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You're going to get to shake hands with the Lord Jesus Christ. The same hands that touched these children. And he wants us to touch children. I can hear some of you thinking out there today, I don't have any children around here. You know what? Every one of those kids in the nursery right now belongs to you. They're your responsibility. Every one of those children that's in the toddling area. You know that, now you want, you want some action, baby. You go over to the toddler area, all right? I'm telling you, that, that place will light you up right there, all right? All the kids. And isn't it a crazy world in which we live? I mean, people don't even want to understand that they were given their gender at conception. We live in a nutty world. I mean, it's just, we've lost our minds. And Bellevue, we want to be a place where we still teach the Bible and we still help parents. You know, we're, it's parents' primary responsibility. But we want to come alongside you and help you build up your children and bring them to Jesus. I can remember our oldest daughter, Lindsay. She was about six or seven. I'm not sure. Donna knows everything on this stuff, you know. But I, I get it within a, a two or three years, all right? And she was wanting to get baptized. And you know, when you got a child, you don't know if they're just wanting, you know, if they're just miffed because they can't partake of the Lord's Supper or what. You don't understand. So you don't know if they're wanting to get baptized because they got saved. And she was just saying, I, I really want to get saved. I really, and we kept saying, well, you just, we, we need to make sure, you know, we, we don't want to baptize you now and then baptize you next year and then baptize you the next. We want to make sure that you know that you know. I really feel like God wants me to be saved. And we said, well, just wait a little longer. And then finally she came in one night. She said, I just wish somebody would lead me to Jesus. 
I said, Donna, I think she's ready. <laughs> oh, me. That's what we need to do is lead people to Christ. If your child's dirty, you bring him or her to the bathtub. If he's sick, if your child's sick, you bring him or her to the doctor. If they're hungry, you bring him or her to the table to eat. If they're sleepy, you bring him to the bed to rest. But if your child is lost and is experiencing conviction of sin, that's what I look for. I look for a brokenness. And Lindsay had it. And when I saw that, I said, Lord, I'm, I, we're going to baptize her. She's, she wants to get saved. And we led her to Christ right there in her room. One of the reasons I love Bellevue is because of Camp Outrageous, our vacation Bible school. So many children in that come from other places, other churches and places that don't, families that don't even have church. They'll come here and they'll hear the gospel all week long and then they will repent of their sins, believe in Jesus and receive him as their Lord and Savior. Unlike many adults, when I come to Camp Outrageous, those little hearts are so tender toward the Lord. They're just, they're just ready. They, they want to know what the gospel is about. If you don't have that as an adult, God doesn't tell children that they need to be like adults. God tells adults that they need to be like children. Get that hunger back for the Lord and really pray. Now, I got saved when I was 18. Donna got saved when she was nine. All of our children got saved before they were teenagers. How many of you were saved when you were 18 or younger? Raise your hand up. Anybody? Okay, we just proved it. Studies show that over 90% of people that get saved get saved before they're 18. Before they're 18. So why should we build more rooms for children? Because Jesus loves the little children. And he wants to save them. And I'm telling you, if churches like Bellevue don't do it, do you know what? Nobody's going to do it if we don't do it. We've got to. And now you can do things without a building. I get it. But I'm telling you, it's not like we're just using those rooms one time a week. We're multi multiplying the, the times that we use them and everything. We just got to have some more room. It's a simple thing. I mean, this is so clear to me this year. I, I don't have any problem ever giving to the church and to the Lord and to the love offerings and to the budget and all that. I don't have any problem. That, that's the easiest thing I do. It's the first thing I do every time we get paid. That's the first thing I do. I want God to have first, not the second, not the leftovers. Do it first. But I want this year to really let our children know that we love them. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, verse 13, all your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace, the shalom of your children. How many of you want your children to walk in the peace of God? Anybody? Then what do we have to do? We got to let them be taught of the Lord. They need to hear John 3, 16. They need to hear 
Psalm 23. They need to hear the great stories about Jesus so that when they're older, they will lead their children to the Lord as well. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, relates to parents, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Don't just teach your kids how to play a sport. Nothing wrong with that. But don't just teach them to do that. And by the way, don't ever miss a Sunday for some kind of sport. Two amens. Don't ever take your kids off and keep them out week after week after week telling them that baseball or softball is more important than church. That's what you're telling them whether you believe it or not. You say, would you go back to your sermon? Yeah, I'm coming back. Here I come. Don't just teach them how to ride a bicycle, drive a car, mow the yard, fish, hunt, water ski, cook, clean the house. That's all great. But whatever else you do, teach your children how to come to Jesus. Tell them that they need to come to Jesus. Tell them that they can repent. Tell them that they can come to the Lord. We want our fourth and fifth graders and our middle school students at Bellevue to have a great opportunity and a great venue where they can gather together. They won't have to scatter all over Memphis, but they can come right here and they can be part. We've got some of the most wonderful leaders in that area. We want to help parents bring their children to Jesus. Children must be brought to Jesus. Secondly, children illustrate the kingdom of Jesus. Look at verse 14. Children illustrate the kingdom of Jesus. Verse 14. But Jesus said, let the children alone. I think that's how he said it. <laughs> I don't think he said, let the children alone. No, I say, let the children alone. Don't hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, belongs to such as these. He didn't point to the Pharisees. He pointed to the children. He didn't even point to the disciples. He pointed to the children. This is what the kingdom of God is like. People who just simply love me and want me and want to do what I say. He taught them an invaluable lesson. People didn't have to be mature enough to come to Jesus, but they did have to be childlike. They had to come in simple, dependent faith. Children were not a problem for Jesus. The ones that were the problem for Jesus were the religious people the adults, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and now even the disciples who were rebuking the children. <laughs> and Jesus got on to them. Children were not the problem. Jesus saw them as an interruption. Or Jesus' disciples saw them as an interruption. But Jesus saw them as an opportunity. 
How does a child approach the Lord? Think, think about it with sincerity. A little child, I mean, they, they don't have anything to hide, you know. They, they just come with genuine needs. And they also approach Jesus with questions. You know, just because you can ask somebody a question that they can't answer doesn't mean that you're smart. Did you know that? I mean, a three-year-old can ask any one of us a question that we can't answer, all right? But they come with questions. A child wants his parent to explain things. They come with love. They know that their parents love them and always will. They come with trust. They believe that their parents will do the right thing. The disciples should not have stopped they should not have stopped the children from coming to Jesus. Those children illustrated that Jesus' kingdom is given to the childlike. My mother and dad grew up in the Great Depression, and they didn't have, neither one of them, a high school education. And it wasn't because they were dumb. They were very smart. But they had to quit school and work on farms back in the 1930s. And my mother, my dad was a deacon at the church there in Dyersburg. And my mother uh, was, she taught Sunday school. And she taught third grade for, I guess, 30 or 40 years. And I asked my mother one time after I got saved, I said, Mom, why do you, why do you teach children? She said, because adults think they know everything. Said so the kids will listen to you. And she said, I, I want to sow good seed on fertile soil. And she did it, man. I mean, she she would make stuff. She was all she was she had it going on with those kids. She they loved her and she loved them. And I found that to be true. You know, some adults think they know enough. They've lived a long time. You can live a long time and not know what you need to know. But children, ask questions. And I'm telling you again, unfortunately, we live in a wicked world. And they're targeting our children. They are targeting our children to make them think that anything goes. They want our children to go the wrong way. And if Bible-believing, Christ-honoring churches like Bellevue don't step up and bring children to Jesus and tell them about the gospel, who do you think is going to do it? Some of you may not have any children at home. Some of you may not have any children that you care for. But you know what? You need to take care of the next generation. I went Thursday night and spoke to my hometown high school, Dyersburg High School, to the football team. They are 10-0. and 0, And they were about to play on Friday night, the first game against a team. And... I went and they had a steak dinner and it was all the football players, all the cheerleaders, all the band, all their parents. And it was a joyful time.
when I went in there, I realized everybody doesn't have the same kind of blessing that we have to be in this kind of church. Bellevue is a bubble. The world is not like Bellevue, and praise God, Bellevue is not like the world. We want to be delightfully different. We don't want to be smart Alex. We don't want to be mean to people. We want to be loving to people. We want to love, I don't, I don't care what their background is, what they've done, anybody is welcome in this church. And if they're not, let's just shut the doors, all right? If anybody can't come, if everybody can't come, then nobody should come. We invite people to come to hear the truth, to hear the truth, to be around celebrative music that's worshiping and honoring the Lord, to hear from the Word of God, not to hear from some preacher, but to hear from the Word of God. And we need to reach children because they are like the kingdom of God. They illustrate the kingdom of Jesus. I recently read that according to the Barna Group, only 6% of adult Christians made their decisions to follow Christ after the age of 18. 94%, according to their survey, of all the people in churches that have received Christ, they've repented of their sins, believed that Jesus died on the cross from their sins, and rose from the dead, and they've received Him as Lord and Savior. 94% do it before they are 18 years old. That's why Jesus said, let the little children alone. Just let them alone. Don't hinder them from coming to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Remember what the Proverbs said, don't you? Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he's old, he won't depart from it. Children illustrate the kingdom of Jesus. Well, children must be brought to Jesus. Children illustrate the kingdom of Jesus. And one more thing. Children can receive the touch of Jesus. Again, there's something about touching. When Jesus touched you, you were made whole. After laying, verse 15, his hands on them. He departed from them. He didn't just pray a blessing over them. He laid his hands on everyone. I, I can see it happening. Let's say there were 30 children. He knew them by name. And he just went down the road, laying his hands on them, praying for them. I don't understand laying on of hands. Nobody does. But there's something about when you lay hands on someone and pray for them, it's a biblical thing. It's all throughout the whole Bible. And Jesus laid those precious hands that had created the universe. He laid those hands on those children and prayed. Wouldn't you like Jesus to pray for your children? <laughs> well, you know what? Still, when we pray, God still answers. And Jesus just went down the road and prayed for them, 
prayed the blessings of God upon them, and he touched them, and he blessed them with his hands. Many people requested Jesus to lay hands on them. One of them was a man whose 12-year-old daughter was about to die. And you read in several Gospels the same narrative. In Matthew, we don't see his name, but elsewhere, we know that it was Jairus, the synagogue official. Matthew 9, 18 says, while, he was, while Jesus was saying these things to them, a synagogue official came, bowed before, down before him, and said, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Jairus came to Jesus because there was only one person that could help his daughter. That was Jesus. Jairus was desperate. He came in faith. And Jesus went back. Here's what he did. Matthew 9, 23 through 26. When Jesus came into the official's house, he saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder. He said, leave, for the girl has not died but is asleep. Now, I'll show you how fake all their music was and everything. Look at this. Leave, for the girl has not died but she's asleep. And they began laughing at him. They weren't really remorseful. They were just putting on a show. But when the crowd had been sent out, I want to say this to you. Sometimes God has to get people out of the church before he can come into the church. He entered and he took her by the hand and the girl got up. He took her by the what? Hand. He said, and one of the other texts tells us, Talitha kumai, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she had no option. Amen? <laughs> it was time to get up. The resurrection and the life had told her to get up. He took her by the hand and the little girl got up. And this news, don't you know it did, spread throughout all that land. Jairus' child received the touch of Jesus. Many of you know that my wife is an avid reader she reads a lot. And she pulled out a quote from an old book that was written by John Trent and Gary Smalley several years ago called The Gift of the Blessing. Talking about how parents can bless their children by praying over them. And you need to bless your children. Your, your children need that. They need to know that they have the blessing of their parents. And one of the ways to do that is, these guys said, to, to lay their hands on them and pray for them. Meaningful touching was certainly a part of Christ blessing children. Mobbed by onlookers and protected by his disciples, Jesus could have easily waved to the children from a distance or just ignored them altogether, but he didn't either. He took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Jesus was not simply communicating a spiritual lesson to the crowds. It, if he was, he could have done so by simply placing one child in the center of the group 
as he did on other occasions. Jesus was demonstrating his knowledge of a child's genuine need to be touched by people and to be touched by God. Do you want your children, do you want your grandchildren to be blessed? Pray and ask Jesus to touch and bless them with his hand. Jesus put his hand on a lot of people. If your child is sick, pray that Jesus will put his hand on your child so your child will be healed. If your child is rebellious, pray that Jesus will put his hand on your child so that your child will come under authority. If your child is lost, pray that he will put his hand upon your child so that your child will repent and believe and receive Christ. If your child is in a bad relationship, some related, relating with somebody they shouldn't be, a, it could be someone that's just a friend or it could be somebody that they're involved with romantically and it's not a good relationship, pray that they would be delivered and that God would put his hand upon them. If your child is estranged from you, I'm hearing more of this all the time, where children just turn from their parents and won't let them see their grandchildren. If that is you, if you are preventing your parents from seeing your grandparents, you need to repent. You need to repent. You are not right in doing that unless there's some type of abuse. But if your children are estranged from you, just pray that they'll come back. If your children are lonely, lay your hands on your children and pray for God to give them good friends, that they'll have good fellowship. After laying his hands on them, he departed. Jesus wants to touch children. Children can receive the touch and the blessings of Christ.